So this morning's message is going to be out of John. So if you have your Bibles and and want to turn there, it's also going to be on the screen. So it's John chapter 14, verses 25 through 29. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. We're also going to be reading out of John chapter 16, verses 5 through 15. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is the word of God for us today. Well, good morning, friends. Uh, it's good to be together. My name is John. I'm the pastor and uh, one of the elders here at Wingfoot Church. And uh, I want to thank you for coming out in the snow. Uh, who saw that coming? I did not. That was a, a surprise. But uh, it's good to be gathered here in this space uh, to open up God's Word. Uh, when I was 14, uh, I had a profound, life-changing spiritual experience. Uh, I was away at camp for the first time. Something about camp, I think, uh, puts you in this place where you're like, man, anything is possible. Now, I was just there to make friends and meet girls. That was the only reason why I was at camp. I thought it was going to be fun. Uh, And I didn't realize I was stepping into a place where I was going to have this spiritual experience that was going to change my life. Uh, And camp is funny. You know, you stay up really late and you do all kinds of crazy fun things. Uh, And the camp that I went to, every so often, you would sit and you listen to someone speak. They'd gather everyone into a room. Uh, and a speaker would talk about things that matter, life and death and sin and shame. And, uh, and that was just kind of like you kind of, you, you worked through that until you could get back to the games and hanging out with the girls. Uh, but something about this one particular night, Saturday night of this weekend experience, uh, there was something about what this guy was saying that just gripped my attention in a way that nothing else had before. 
Uh, just the way that he was talking and the things that he was sharing, like as he was talking, I, I felt this need to lean in and to pay attention. And I, and I felt this kind of burning in my chest that there is something about this that I needed to pay attention to and something that, about this that I needed to consider. And the more that he talked, the more I felt this burning grow and I started to feel goosebumps on my arm, right? And I started to feel even like emotions starting to well up in me. And so when he said, does anyone want to make a decision tonight? I threw my hand up in the air with tears streaming down my face. And I said, yes, I want to make a decision. And the, the crowd sort of cleared out at the end of the night. And I found myself on the shores of Lake Erie, because that was up where the camp was, looking up into the sky. And I knew, for some reason, I knew this was God. That was what I described it as. It was God. And I said, God, I, I don't really know all that much about you, but whatever you want, I will do for you. And that was a profound, life-changing spiritual experience. I felt this connection with God that I had never felt before. I don't know if you've had an experience like that. A spiritual experience where you just feel like there's peace, there's connection, there's clarity about the things that matter. Now, whether or not you've had an experience like that, I think we all want an experience like that. Right? We want a spiritual connection, right? Because think about it, we, we've sort of moved on from religion as a culture. We don't talk about religion as much anymore, but, but spirituality, we're really interested in that. You can find books about spirituality, books about how to feel connected to everything. We talk about connecting to the universe or, or connecting to, to whatever gives you inner peace. We have this profound fascination with spirituality, even though we've kind of moved past religion. So everywhere you look, people are talking about how to find spiritual connection. I think that's really what we want. We want to know that, that we're connected to something more, that our life matters. And so we'll look in all these different ways to see who can give me the connection that I'm looking for. But the problem with spiritual experience is that after a little while, you have that moment. Right? If you've had that moment, you can probably think vividly about what that moment was like. But eventually, uh, you come down off the mountain, if you will, and you're back in the everyday stuff of life. And so for me, three months after that profound life-changing spiritual experience, I was back in the throes of high school. And I was feeling really uncertain about myself. Uh, the connections with girls weren't really panning out how I had hoped. And, and I felt really depressed. And I started to look back at that moment three months before. And I said, what was that? Because like, I, I thought that that was the moment. I thought that that was the spiritual experience. But I'm here and I can look back and I, I, start, to, I start to doubt that experience. Uh, I start to say, okay, was that God or was I just tired? Was, was that God or was the, man, was the music just right? Was it God or was it like the pressure of people around me? Like what was that thing? And this is what happens whenever we have a spiritual experience is that we're sort of left wondering what it was after. And what we often do is what I did. I said, okay, I had that spiritual experience there. I need to sign up for camp again. Because I thought if I can just get back there, then I'll have that spiritual experience. And so we're longing for this connection, but it seems like we can't quite find it. And so what we're going to talk about as a community is this idea right, of, of longing for spiritual connection and the good news that the God of the Bible, the God of Jesus, is actually a God who wants you to know him personally. Like the God of the Bible wants you to know God personally. And so we're calling this series Knowing God Personally because God is a God that you can know. He's a God that you can have a connection to and have a relationship with and understand. He's not just an idea, but he is a person that you can know and you can know with confidence. And so we're starting this series this morning looking at the teachings of Jesus. And we kind of dropped into the middle of something that Jesus was teaching. We're in the middle of a long uh, conversation he was having with his followers. 
Uh, but his followers for three years have been with Jesus. And when we say with Jesus, it's not like they were just with him on Sunday. They were with him every day of the week. And every day of the week, they would get up and they would eat breakfast with Jesus and then they'd go see miracles happen. they see lives change and they see visions. It was like a three-year-long spiritual experience of camp. But then on this night, Jesus says, I need you to know that I'm leaving. The spiritual experience is ending. Something is about to change. And, and so they're a little freaked out. They're a little concerned. They're a little upset because I thought we finally had it. And so Jesus then begins to tell them about the helper, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the way that they are going to know God personally from here on out. And in fact, he says, it's better that you know the Holy Spirit than that I stick around with you. Now, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, right, there's probably a lot of different uh, thoughts that you have in mind, depending on your background, depending on your experience. You may have grown up in a church or a context that talked about the Holy Spirit all the time, and you, you felt his presence, and you celebrated the anointing. And, and when you gathered in church on Sunday, and even during the week, man, you just, the Holy Spirit was everything. You may have grown up in a context where, where we sort of acknowledged the Holy Spirit, but kind of like that awkward uncle. Like, like, yes, he's there, and yes, he's part of the family, but I don't really understand him. And, and I see him just a few times during, like at holidays, but, but that's it. Uh, or maybe your, your thoughts of the Holy Spirit, you think of televangelists, right? And, and it seems like there's, there's something that's interesting there, but it's also a little hokey. So wherever you are this morning, right? We, and we could probably tell stories in this room and everyone would have a little bit of a different perspective on that. And so this morning, as we begin this conversation, what it means to know God personally, I want to reintroduce us to who the Holy Spirit is. And wherever you're coming from in your understanding or experience, even if you have no idea what you're talking about, it sounds like a Holy Spirit, what is this, Halloween? You might be all over the place. But the Holy Spirit is the secret to knowing God personally. So I want to look at Jesus' teaching here. I want to first answer the question of who the Holy Spirit is. Who the Holy Spirit is. And so there's three things that describe the Holy Spirit in this teaching of Jesus, and then as we look at the Bible along the rest of the way. So who the Holy Spirit is, the first thing that describes the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. As Jesus teaches this, he says, I will send you another helper. And by saying another helper, he's putting an equal sign between him who has been the helper so far and the Holy Spirit, that just like Jesus has helped you, now the Holy Spirit is helping you. There's an equality between Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And that's why he encourages them. that this is, You're not getting a lesser experience. This is, in fact, similar to the experience that you've had. In fact, at the end of Jesus' ministry, he would gather these same followers, and he'd say, go into all the world and baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The singular name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus, through most of his ministry, was talking about the Father, about how the Father was God, right? And, and Jesus talked about how he and the Father were one. And then he includes the Holy Spirit in this list of the name of who God is. And so if you were to start from this point in the story of the Bible, and you were to go back to the first pages of the Bible and read from, from beginning to end, you'll find the Holy Spirit over every single page. In fact, in Genesis 1-2, the second verse of the Bible, the Holy Spirit is there. Before anything else is made, the Holy Spirit is active in creation. 
If you were to go to after the time of Jesus, when his followers are, are figuring out what it means to follow the Holy Spirit in Acts, you would find that there's a situation in which somebody uh, lies in the community of faith and community of Jesus. And, and the apostles say, you have lied uh, not against us, but against God, the Holy Spirit. That there's an equal sign there between God and the Holy Spirit. Which means that all of the attributes of who God is as revealed in his word are true of the Holy Spirit. The holiness of God is the holiness of the Holy Spirit. The the power of God is the power of the Holy Spirit. The the righteousness of God is the righteousness of the Holy Spirit. Like all of the attributes that are true of who God is are true of the Holy Spirit, this helper that you and I now have. So the Holy Spirit is God. But the second thing that is true about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is a person. A person. And now, when I say person, think about it differently than you and I are people. Like Christians from the very beginning, as they sought to understand who God is, they use this term person to describe who God is. That God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are three persons of what Christians call the Trinity. That the very heart of God is this relationship. And so the Holy Spirit is a person in the same way that Jesus is a person and God the Father is a person. And if you were to read about the Holy Spirit in Ephesians chapter 4, right, uh, you would find that Paul actually says that the Holy Spirit can be grieved, that the Holy Spirit has emotions, right, that he has a will, he has a desire, he has thoughts for your life, that he wants you to know him and he wants you to do certain things. And the Holy Spirit is a person. Right? So, so when we talk about the Holy Spirit, uh, it's not like we're Jedi talking about the force, And it's not like we're Harry Potter talking about magic. We're talking about a person who has intent and will and emotion. Now, the third thing that describes the Holy Spirit is this. The Holy Spirit is a presence. It's a presence. That's something about the Holy Spirit. Uh, If you read throughout the Bible, he rushes upon people, often described like a wind. In fact, the first person that he indwells in the Bible is an artist. He empowers an artist. He comes into an artist and allows him to be able to to create the tabernacle so that people can worship in that space. The Holy Spirit comes upon agents of God's mission from time to time and does these incredible things. He's a presence. In Acts chapter 2, then, you see that the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples and empowers them. He indwells them. He is there in their life. He's a presence who is always present. So just think about these three things. The Holy Spirit it is God's personal presence available to you and me. Now, I think if we think about this, this is everything that we want, everything that we fear, and everything that we need. And it's everything that we want, everything that we fear, and everything that we need. It's everything that we want. We want a spiritual connection. We want to, to know that our life matters. And we want to know with clarity who we are and where we fit in the world. We want to know these things, and God's personal presence wants you to know that. But it's everything that we fear, because if God is a person and not a force, then he has a will and an intent, and I might disagree with him. Right? I, he might have some things to say to me that I don't want to hear. And, and so we, we love spiritual experience because it's impersonal. Because I feel connected. But what we fear is, is that the voice on the other side of the spiritual experience actually says, we need to talk about a couple of things that you don't want to talk about. And so we fear the intimacy of this. We fear the level of connection. You're telling me that God is always present in my life and always sees everything that I do? Whew, I don't want that. 
but this is everything that we need. And here's why, right? Your spiritual experience is always going to be subjective. Right? It could be your feelings. It could be your emotions. It could be pressure from other people. Like there's a whole lot of things that that spiritual experience could be, but it will always be subjective, which means that you always kind of question it. And also you can't go to someone else and say, hey, I think this is how you can know God because this is my personal experience. But if we're talking about God's personal presence, the Holy Spirit, then he is objective, which means that he sees me for who I really am. That he is not able to be manipulated by my emotions or my thoughts about who he is, that he is objective and he sees me for who I really am, which means he can tell me who I really am. And he can tell me honestly, because that's what love does. Love tells the truth to you so that you can understand yourself and grow. He can tell me the areas in which I need to grow and the areas in which I need to change. Right? This is what we need. It's not just an experience where we're going to be left questioning it, but the personal presence of God, his Holy Spirit. Now, you may be feeling a little like, I, I, maybe you're right, that's what I need, but that also feels really uncomfortable. Like, like what happens if I, if I start to know God and, and then he rejects me? All right, what, if, what if as God sees me and knows all the stuff that I have going on, what if, what if he walks away from me, right? Because I know the stuff that I have going on that I don't want to talk about. But you're saying God sees all of that. How do I know that God is going to stick with me? I want you to see that Jesus' teaching here shows us that God wants you to know him. And he wants you to know him so much so that he is going to make it happen. And so, so I want to talk about what the Holy Spirit does. I want to talk about five things the Holy Spirit does that are all about you being absolutely able to have a relationship with God, to know who he is. Five things the Holy Spirit does that will tell you and show you that, yes, God, in fact, wants me to know him, even with everything that I have going on. So the first thing that the Holy Spirit does, the Holy Spirit inspires Scripture, inspires Scripture. Uh, Jesus says in chapter 14, verse uh, 26, says, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So the Holy Spirit, the, one of the things that he does is he brings to remembrance the things that Jesus said. Now, here's the thing. In this room are his disciples, like the 12 disciples and maybe a couple other more. And one of those guys is a guy named Peter. And Peter is about to blow it in a big way. Uh, but Jesus comes back to him and, and re reconciles with him, reunites him with, with the mission of Jesus. But in 2 Peter, Peter has now, uh, he's seen the risen Jesus. He's experienced the Holy Spirit. And he's now encouraging believers, encouraging followers of Jesus in what God is all about. And in 2 Peter, he says this. He says this, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. It's not just someone's random spiritual experience. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Second Peter 1.21. He's saying the Holy Scriptures, the Bible. Peter, this is as Peter is writing this. He is remembering, I was in the room and Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is going to bring to remembrance the things that I need to know. And so as he's writing this, things are coming to his mind. And he's saying the Holy Spirit is bringing these things up so that I can communicate these things to you. The Holy Spirit inspires scriptures. That's why we read this book and study this book and give this book away for free because this is where these apostles, these ones who were in the room with Jesus, they were reminded of these things by the Holy Spirit and wrote this down. In fact, so much so that it, like, if you were to get coffee with the Holy Spirit, I don't know what that would look like, but if you were to get coffee with the Holy Spirit, 
You say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to know? He would sound like scripture. He would sound like the verses of the Bible first and foremost because this is the message that he wants you to hear. And he inspires scripture so that you can actually read what God wants you to know. You don't have to be left guessing. So the first thing he does so that we can know who God is is that he inspires scripture. But the second thing that he does is this. He illuminates our hearts. He illuminates our hearts. Back in John 14, uh, he says, he will teach you all things. And so it's not just that the Holy Spirit inspires Scripture and says, well, I hope they can figure it out. I, I hope they can find a good Bible study uh, or a good commentary or talk to the experts to figure out the Scriptures. The Holy Spirit inspires the Scriptures, but then as you're reading the Bible, as you're reading the words that the Holy Spirit inspired, the Holy Spirit is actually working in your heart and your mind to understand it. Right? So, so I'm reading the Bible. Right? I was like, okay, what does this mean? The Holy Spirit is saying, well, let me help you understand what it means. So he's going to bring things to mind. He's going to help you understand it. He's going to allow your heart to receive the things that he has said in the Holy Scriptures. And so he inspires Scriptures so that you can read the words of God, but he illuminates your heart so you can understand it. So you're not left guessing. But the third thing that happens is this. He ignites conviction. He ignites conviction. Jesus said in chapter 16, as he described the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, he says this. He says, when he comes, he will convict the world. And so what will happen is that as you're seeking to understand God and his word, you're, you're reading the words that he inspired, that he wrote. He is helping you understand them in your heart and your mind. And what's going to happen is you're going to start to feel a burning. You're going to start to feel a conviction. You're going to start to feel like, oh, there might be something off here. Or, or start to feel a need that there's something in here that I need to understand. There's something in here that I need to, to grasp. And he's going to ignite that in you so that you understand who Jesus is, so you understand what Jesus has done. And so as you seek to know God in the scriptures, he's going to open up your heart and your mind. And as you do that, he's going to start to say, hey, you need to look at some things. You need to consider some things that maybe you hadn't considered before. You're going to start to feel this burning, this need. But then the fourth thing happens, and the fourth thing is incredible, that as I feel this conviction and as I am ready and able to receive the forgiveness of Jesus, the moment that I glorify Jesus, that I recognize my need because of my sin, and I glorify Jesus, the Holy Spirit imputes Christ's work to me. Now, that's a really big word, impute, but it simply means this. Everything that is in Jesus' account, he transfers to my account. Right, so, so as I feel this conviction, I have this sin, I need forgiveness. The moment that you say, Jesus, I confess my sins and I receive your gift of forgiveness, the Holy Spirit takes everything that Christ did and he applies it to me. And he gives it to me. And so his righteousness is now mine and his forgiveness is now mine and his grace is now mine. This is the moment you become a Christian. Now, this is why Jesus said, everything that I have, he will declare to you. Everything that I have, he will give to you. That the moment I recognize my need and receive his forgiveness, the Holy Spirit initiates a deposit into my life of Christ's righteousness and Christ's goodness. So I'm no longer at a debt. I'm now at a surplus because I have what Christ wants for me. And then the fifth thing that happens in that moment is the Holy Spirit indwells Christ's followers indwells Christ's followers. That, that Jesus said he will come and make his home with you. He will dwell with you. He will be with you forever. Not based on your emotions, not based on your feelings or how your life is going this week. He is permanently there with you. 
which means this, that, that God's very presence, God's very personal presence when you receive Christ is always with you. Whether or not you feel it, whether or not you see it, he is there. Folks, just, just like take a minute and consider, uh, like, like just praise God that this is how much God wants you to know him. Right, that, that he would inspire scripture, illuminate your heart, ignite conviction, impute Christ's word to you, and then indwell you so that you can know him personally. And none of that is anything that you do. That is his love and his desire for you to know him. This is the spiritual experience that we need. It's the spiritual experience we were created for. It's the spiritual experience that God's personal presence of the Holy Spirit makes available to us. Now the question is, how do I receive that? How do I, how do I experience that? How do I, how do I know that? And so the last question I want to ask is this, how do I receive the Holy Spirit? How do I have this permanent connection that is always with me? Jesus said this, the Holy Spirit's whole purpose, the thing that he is about is glorifying Jesus. Glorifying Jesus. That is his purpose, is that in this world he wants to glorify Jesus. Right? Which means, uh, two things. All right. The first is this, that if I'm not glorifying Jesus, I don't have the Holy Spirit. Right? If I have not received the forgiveness of Jesus, that by default means I'm not living for Jesus. I haven't experienced this reality of what God does for me, and so I don't have the Holy Spirit. I need to first repent of my sins and embrace Jesus. In fact, Acts chapter 2, uh, we're going to put it on the screen here because this question was asked of Peter, this same Peter who wrote these words in Acts chapter 2. On this day, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes upon the church for the very first time, and Peter preaches the first street sermon uh, on the corner, and thousands of people hear about it. And notice what happens in verse 37. It says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, what he's saying is this, that that the Holy Spirit comes as we repent of our sins and receive the forgiveness that Jesus offers us. And maybe you're here this morning, right? And uh, maybe even as we talk about this, you feel that burning. You feel that, that sense that there's something here that I need to think about. I've been chasing spiritual experience. Maybe I'm even here in church because I think this is going to be the spiritual experience that I need. And you start to feel this burning, right? And, and you start to recognize, like, like, there's some sin in my life. There's some stuff that I don't want to talk about. So, so I'm actually resistant to God's personal presence in my life because I have this sin that I haven't dealt with. That's the Holy Spirit igniting conviction in you because he wants you to receive Jesus, he wants you to embrace the forgiveness of Jesus. And so Peter says, if you're cut to the heart, if you feel this burning conviction, then what you need to do is first repent of your sins. And repenting is, is turning away. It's turning and going a different direction. It's saying, Jesus, I acknowledge that I have sinned. I acknowledge that I have lived to glorify myself, but I now choose this day to repent of my sins and glorify you. And in that moment, you receive the forgiveness of sins. And Peter says, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Notice there's nothing else that you have to do. You don't have to prove. There's no theological test that you have to pass. There's no behavior test that you have to pass. You simply have to repent of your sins and embrace the forgiveness of Jesus. And maybe some of you this morning, you've been chasing spiritual experience, or maybe you've been doing religious things, but you cannot remember a time in your life when you actually acknowledged your sin, 
repented of your sin and asked forgiveness for Jesus, from Jesus, then, then Scripture says you don't have the Holy Spirit. You haven't become a Christian yet. Because becoming a Christian is about repenting of your sins and receiving forgiveness. And this is why we're here as a church. And this is why we're gathered here as a church is to be reminded of this and to invite other people into this. And so if you're here and you're like, I'm not sure if that's me, that is why we're here this morning. And so we'll stop everything so that you can know that. We want you to know who Jesus is. But the second thing is this, right? The Holy Spirit wants to glorify Jesus. And Christian, if, we're, if you're honest this morning, maybe you feel like you haven't felt the Holy Spirit in a long time. Maybe, maybe your life following Jesus feels really dry. You're like, I'm not sure if God's really there. I'm not sure what that decision was. Right? The Holy Spirit is not dependent on your emotions. It's not dependent on the ups and downs of your week. He is always available to you. I just want to end with this encouragement this morning from Romans chapter 8. And we're going to explore Romans chapter 8 together next week and in some of the weeks to follow. But, but Romans chapter 8 is all about the Holy Spirit, all about how we can know God's personal presence. And, and, and Paul says this, if the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. He's saying, if Jesus rose from the dead, then the Holy Spirit is available to you. And the same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the grave, think about the power of that, is now in your life. So trust him. Lean into him. Know him. And here's the thing. When we glorify Jesus, he is going to be all up in that business. When we, when we worship him with our, our songs on Sunday morning, the Holy Spirit is all up in that. When we live lives of sacrifice among our neighbors and show them the love of Jesus to glorify Jesus, the Holy Spirit's gonna be all up in that. When we glorify Jesus, the Holy Spirit moves. So we're gonna explore that more as a community over the next couple of weeks. But this morning, if you have not found Jesus, the Holy Spirit is coming for you. And he wants you to know God personally. Let me pray for us this morning. God, we thank you that you are not dependent on us. You are not dependent on our feelings, our emotions, the ups and downs of our week. You're not even dependent on on whether or not we've been good enough. But you are God and you want to be known personally so much so that you make it happen. God, for the one who's here this morning who who is longing for that spiritual connection. But maybe this morning we talk, about, we talk about need, we talk about sin, there's this burning in them this morning. Holy Spirit, would you continue to work that conviction so that they might see Jesus and be ready to receive in who he is. God, we acknowledge in this room that oftentimes our weeks are noisy, are hard, are difficult, and it feels like you're absent or distant. God, would this morning as we glorify you in worship, as we glorify you uh, through taking of communion, as we glorify you in our community life together, Holy Spirit, would you be all up in and around this, doing a work that only you can do because it's your power that enables us to do anything. And it's in the strong name of Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit that we pray all these things and give this to you. Amen. Amen.